Thank you, brother. We appreciate those kind words. But you can be sure that I'm not going to be concerned what they say about me after I'm gone. <laughs> but truthfully tonight, I am more interested in what my Lord has to say about me than I am as far as what man has to say. Though we appreciate it, yet that is not of the greatest importance to us. The subject that we have had assigned to us tonight has to do with worship. And I must admit that I approach this subject tonight in certainly a very serious manner. Because I am convinced today that very few people truly know what it means to worship God. What many claim to be presenting as far as worship services are not really that at all. I believe that we need to be aware of this in our own lives. There are two passages in the Gospel of John that I'd like to read to you before we look into our assigned passages tonight. In John chapter 4 and verse 24, we read there that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then in John the 20th chapter and verse 28, and I have always appreciated this testimony in God's word by Thomas. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Literally, be Lord of mine and be God of mine. The reason I bring this out to begin with is that we find today that people are very careless in how they deal with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Their terminology and their language is not really that of reverence. We have, that is, many today have, tried to make Jesus someone who is a friend. Someone that would be not much different than anyone we would meet, perhaps, on the street today. And brethren, this is wrong. Perhaps I made mention of the fact that some years ago, while in a service, a man was presenting the work that he had with young people. He said, we are interested in introducing young people to that guy, Jesus. And I tell you, my heart aches that anyone could ever speak of my Lord with such terms. Now, I'm certain that he felt that this was the language that would reach young people. But brethren, that will never reach them. Not for them to reach them for the Lord. They cannot bring the gospel down to the level of men. 
We need to bring men up to the level of the Word of God. Turn with us now, if you will, to the book of Philippians, the second chapter. And I am certain tonight that all of us realize what a tremendous chapter this is, what a glorious truth, or actually many truths, are revealed here concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We'll begin reading with verse 5, just to pick up some of the thoughts. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now note. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. One thing we should be aware of is just who the Son of God is. He is without question, without controversy, the creator of all things. All things were made by, by him and for him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So that when we are dealing with Jesus Christ, God's Son, we are dealing with the creator of the universe, we are dealing with the one who breathed into the nostrils of man the breath which was life that man might become a living soul. We should realize that we are indeed walking on holy ground when we deal with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He humbled himself. This we, of course, are aware of. But brethren, God had given him a name which is above every name. He has been lifted up. He has been exalted. And he needs to be lifted up and exalted in our lives as well. Now notice again that God has given to him a name which is above every name. That not at, but rather in the name of Jesus, that is the name which he possesses. I personally do not believe it is the name Jesus. I believe it has to do with the truth of his lordship. And I think the context reveals this. But many today are interested in 
this man Jesus. Songs have been written, and the world has sung them. There are many today who are of the world who can't accept Jesus. They have not really a great problem or a difficulty there. But to accept the fact that he is Lord, that he is the Son of God and God the Son, is something altogether different as far as their lives are concerned. We've already read out of the Gospel of John the testimony of Thomas. I trust this evening that that is the testimony of each one of us. My Lord and my God. That we realize truly who the Son of God is. Unless we understand this, unless we realize this, we can never truly worship God. I realize that many of our songs in our songbooks have been written, and time after time, we always repeat the name of Jesus or Jesus. There may not be anything wrong in itself, but I think sometimes they've missed the mark. That what they are doing is dealing more with the earthly man. You know, of course, that Paul has declared that though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet from now on, and henceforth, knowing him so no longer. Now, we know that we have to deal with the earthly ministry of God's Son, but brethren, what we are concerned about today is his heavenly ministry, his ministry as head over all things to the church, which is his body. How often do we hear people speaking of going to the Holy Land? They want to walk where Jesus walked. They want to stand where Jesus stood. They want to see where Jesus was. And yet the Word of God tells us to set our affection on things above, not on things here on this earth. We should be more concerned tonight with the fact that we are already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus our Lord, rather than being concerned about walking where he walked while he was here on this earth. I am looking forward to the day and the time when I shall stand in his presence, in the heavens, to enjoy the grace of God throughout the ages to come. But again, what is worship? Many of the songs that we sing touch our hearts. And many times people say, well, let's worship God in singing. Well, there may be a degree of worship there. But I believe that even in what we call our Christian circles, much of it is holy, not spiritual. God must be worshipped in the spiritual plane or the spiritual realm. And I believe it has to be around the study of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit's ministry in our hearts and in our lives. It's not important what I say, but it is important what God has to say. My fellowship with my Father in heaven, my fellowship with my Lord is going to be based upon my knowledge and study and understanding of God's Word. You cannot have a worship service if you want to speak to yourself 
and he blessed the word of God. That's not worshiping God. That is having a form of religion. To worship has to come from the spirit. And the total man, of course, can and should be involved in this. But notice again in verse 10. That in the name of Jesus, that which he possesses, every knee should bow. We have the word of things in heaven. But every knee should bow in heaven. Every knee should bow in earth. Every knee should bow under the earth. Every tongue should confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No one can be saved. Listen. No one can be saved without acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No one can be saved unless they acknowledge the Lordship of the Son of God. We the Word of God is very clear on that. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord, we read in First Corinthians chapter 12, but by the Spirit. Salvation does not rest in Jesus. It rests rather in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And too many people are concerned about the earthly Jesus instead of the exalted Lord. We go back and study more and more the Old Testament scriptures. One thing we are made aware of time after time is the reverence that God taught the nation of Israel. Brethren, everything that had to do with Israel's relationship to God caused Israel to realize that they were dealing with God himself. And they were all in the presence of God. Do we experience that in our lives today? How do we open up the book? How do we open up the Word of God? Well, I realize that we're not dealing with this particular book as such, but nonetheless with the truth that is revealed within it. Because I believe in verbal inspiration. And that tells me when I open up the Word of God, I'm walking on holy ground. How much does the Bible mean to us tonight? What is the Word of God? If you were to be asked what is the greatest treasure you have on this earth, I wonder what it would be. We read so often in the Word of God of men of God who treasured God's Word more than the riches of this world. More than the riches of the world. We read an illustration, perhaps some of you might have read it also. If you had a pile of, let's say, silver dollars, and you were told that every day for an hour, 
You could count the silver dollars and every one that you counted you could keep. But you had to do this between, let's say, 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning. How would you respond? 9 o'clock in the, mor in the morning you say, well, I don't know, I'm still tired, I think I'll stay in bed for another hour. I doubt it very much. I think he would be ready to dive into that pile and begin to count just a moment it was time. Why? Oh, that's money. That's treasure. You have that same anxiety for the Word of God? Isn't it true, brethren, so often, and I've heard many say it, perhaps we've all had the battle, the moment you start reading the Bible, your eyes get heavy. Something else comes and distracts you. We do not praise the word of God, perhaps as we ought in our lives. Well, you say, well, what does this have to do with worship? It has everything to do with worship. Because I believe this is where our worship must begin. In his word. In the study of the word of God. The knowledge of the word of God. And the more I study the Word of God, the more I am awed at God's righteousness and God's holiness. The more I become aware of His power, of His grace, and of His glory. And the more I see this, the more I can worship, or the more I can thank God for what I have in and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. There'll come a time, I believe, and so many of you do, not all. There's going to be a time when every knee is going to bow. I believe that with all my heart. But for many, it will not be to acknowledge the mass Savior, but as God. Every knee, I believe, will bow, but not in salvation. I've said, perhaps you've heard me say it before, that no one dies in Egypt. The very moment they die, their eyes are open to the reality of eternity. The very moment their eyes are open to eternity. And what a revelation to realize that they are lost forever. No opportunity ever afforded them again to be saved. Many times people have said, well, will there not be a second chance? No. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the opportune time. To die without Christ is eternal condemnation and damnation. I wonder tonight, dear friend, child of God, is he really tonight, your Lord, your God? In the true sense of the word, have we learned to trust him every moment of every hour of every day? Have we learned yet to be able to submit our lives wholly and completely into his will? 
It has been said that not only should the child of God be willing for the will of God, he should desire the will of God in his life. Not only should I pray that God will make me willing to be willing, but more than this, I should have a desire for God's will in my life. But when I get up in the morning, I should say to God, God, what do you have for me today? And desire the will of God. Too many times we desire our own will, don't we? Over the will of God. I wonder, Pastor, have you ever complained about difficult situations in your churches? Well, I'm not saying that everything that happens in our churches is out of the will of God, that it's in the will of God, I mean, put it that way. But nonetheless, if we are where we should be before the Lord, we should be in the will of God. Regardless of what the circumstances should, might be, we should be in the will of God. And therefore, we should desire His will and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And then when we go to bed in the evening, we will say, well, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Oh, this, this, this passage just, just thrills my heart. Notice again in verse 11 that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Lord. I believe our whole theme today and tomorrow is really all centered in this, isn't it? Because if I do not see him as my Lord, then I will not yield to him. If I do not see him as my Lord, then I will not surrender my heart and my will and my life to him. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I like what follows, not for our glory, but for the glory of God the Father. That too I appreciate that God hasn't saved us to get glory for us, brethren, but rather to get glory for himself. We can never boast in anything that we have ever done or anything we shall ever do in our lives. All that we are, all that we ever hope to be, will be the result of what God does in and through us, not what we have done. Isn't it true it is God which worketh in us both to will and to do this good pleasure? We're not willing in ourselves. The unsaved man has never been willing for God to work in his life. It is God who must work within us. Even after we are saved by his grace. It is God who must do the work within our hearts and within our lives. Over and over again, we are reminded of his power, his strength, his might, not ours. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
If I try to, try to do it in my own strength, in my own power, I'm going to fail. I don't have any. If I do it in God's power, there's going to be victory. Again, I want to think for a few moments on this thought of the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ. My Lord and my God. That meant something to Thomas. He saw the Son of God in a light that he's not, he had never seen him before. He was now able to say, My Lord and my God, be Lord of mine, be God of mine. And when we are saved by God's grace, this should be the light in which we view the Son of God. Go back with us for just a few moments to the book of Ephesians, another one of the passages that we want to look at. Ephesians chapter 3. Beginning with verse 13. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has pointed out that Paul is not saying in this particular verse that at that moment he was bowing his knees, but rather it is the idea of reverence. The idea of reverence. Though it may at times involve the bowing of the knees. We noted in the book of Nehemiah recently in the 8th chapter that when Ezra read first thing he did was to stand up where everyone could see him and then they could all see what he was reading and then they lifted up their hands and they bowed down to the word of God they reverenced the word of God But again, we do not see this attitude so often, even among many professing believers. Again, I'm not referring to the book, I'm referring to the truth that God has revealed to us. The inspired Word of God. How do we handle the Word of God? Deceitfully? Many do. Do we handle the Word of God with a desire truly to know more about God's will for our hearts and our lives, we should. I wonder how often people enter into their Bibles to study them to prove a point. Ever do that? You begin to dig into the Word, but you dig into the Word to try and prove a point that you already have reached a conclusion on. Now you want to prove that conclusion to be right. And what a disappointment sometimes. You have to re-examine your thoughts and your position. But what a joy it is when you come to understand the truth of the Word. 
The fourth states here, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have the Father in view. The Father, of course, has worked through the Son. And it has reached out into all of our hearts and into all of our lives. It was saved tonight by God's grace. Not only is he the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is also our Father tonight. Many churches pray what they call the Lord's Prayer, our Father. And you know, brethren, so many of those people are not saved. God is not their Father. And yet they pray time after time after time. But Paul speaks here of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord. My Lord. Your Lord. He's my Savior. Your Savior. Oh, what a glorious truth this is. And here we have the full title of the Son of God. Not Jesus, but the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of his glory. In all of his power. In all of his majesty. Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this in the first chapter of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be unto him. Glory and honor belong to him. For it is what God has done through Christ that has resulted in our salvation and has resulted in our position of sonship so that we can lift our voices heavenward tonight and cry out, Father. And we know that we have a God who hears us and a God who understands us and a God who is able to answer prayers according to his divine will and purpose for our lives. You bow your knees this evening. A few years back we attended a meeting where they had a group of young people in. They had their drums and they had, well, all the other instruments that took to make the noise. And then they started singing religious songs. One song I don't think I'll ever forget. The ending of it, they repeated over and over again, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And again, I sat in my seat and said, Oh Lord, don't they understand? Don't they really know who you are? Haven't they yet come to understand your glory? Haven't they perceived all that you are? And after they'd finished their presentation of their music that evening, I went up to the group and I said, I want to ask you a question. 
I said, do you believe that anyone in this audience tonight who is unseen could ever be seen through what you presented tonight? The young man said to me, well, he said, we feel that we're, we are presenting our music to an all-saved audience. I said, listen, you know better than that. The, the auditorium was just literally packed out that night. And I said, there are unseen people throughout the auditorium. And what have you got given for them? What have you for them? Not a thing. Well, he said, you know of anybody that's unsaved? Here. It was the wrong question to ask. Because it just so, so happened that night that I met a young man just before the service that was unsaved. And they were standing close by. I said, yes, here's a young man. Let me, let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as saving Lord? He said, no, I don't. And I turned back to this young man and said, now what? Where does he stand now? Well, he said, we'd like to talk with him. I said, never mind. He said, I have some people that will talk with him. They'd already talked with him. But brethren, you see, they missed the whole mark. If they truly believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, it would be done in reverence. Not in the manner it was presented. That does not glorify the Lord. That does not glorify God. That is not what brings honor and glory and praise to his name. I bow my knees. We should approach this book in almost fear and trembling. We should approach this book in the deepest reverence. And whenever we open it up, we should say, God, what do you have for me? What is there for me to enjoy, to appreciate, to come to understand perhaps a little bit deeper, a little bit better, or new life that I've never seen before? You bow your knees this evening. You reverence God tonight in that way? Oh, young persons in mind, I realize that ever so often the emphasis is on Jesus the man. You've perhaps, I'm sure, all heard the song at one time or another, put your hand in the hand of the man. My, they just swept all over, didn't it? Why? Well, you see, people can identify with a man. But did you ever hear them sing, put your life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? We heard it this afternoon in one of the messages. Present your body. Yield your body unto God. Is this the appeal that we hear today? Is this the presentation that young people are looking for in their lives, and not only young people, but even older folk as well, all of us. Brethren, I believe it's time that we truly meant business with God in our lives. And I trust you already have in our tonight that God's will is what you are seeking. God's word is what is thrilling your heart. 
The Holy Spirit of God is what is moving us and motivating us in our lives. Or often asked, how can you motivate people? You can't motivate people, not for God. Preach the word. The instant in season and out of season, exhort and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. And brethren, the Holy Spirit will motivate men and women. Anything that is of the flesh isn't going to avail anyhow. And we had more people motivated by the Word of God and moved by the Spirit of God, we'd see great things beginning to happen in the lives of many people. We talk about worship. We talk about reverence. We talk about the righteousness and the holiness of God. I don't believe we have it many times in the lives of many people. got to get back to the place in our lives where the Word of God tugs at, tugs at our heart. The Spirit of God is able to speak to our lives. The greatest thrill you can ever have is when you shed tears over the Word. When the Holy Spirit reveals to you a truth you've never seen before, that's worship, brethren. When for the first time your eyes are open to the fact that you're complete in Christ, accepted in God's beloved Son, when for the first time you're made aware of all of your spiritual blessings in heavenly places, that's worship. That's when we begin to bow our knees. You know one thing I'm finding out? The more I study the Word of God, the less I know. I don't know if it's that way with you or not, that way with me. Because all I do is uncover new channels and new areas of studying the Word. But the more I open up the Word of God, the more I want to know about God's will and God's purpose. Oh, just think on this. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees under the Father. What does that mean to Paul? What did that mean to Paul? Why it meant complete surrender. It didn't mean just going to church for an hour or two hours on Sunday. That's not what God is talking about. That's what not what the Word is dealing with. When we come to the place, brethren, where we bow our knees under the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's going to be total surrender and total commitment. What God is looking for in our lives, we're, we're going to understand then truly who He is. Christ your Lord tonight. It's easy to sing what a friend we have in Jesus. And it's beautiful. But listen, child of God, he wants to be more than a friend. He wants to be your Lord and your master. He wants to have control over your whole being. That's what he wants. We all like friends. But it's hard to say, well, Lord, I want to be yours. For this cause, 
spend a long time just taking this phrase and going back to see what Paul is dealing with. But I'll tell you one thing, brethren, for this cause has reference to us. Our God has opened the door to the Gentiles and the nations. Our God has made it possible for you and I tonight to be saved by his grace. It has been said or asked by many, what will it be like when we get that first glimpse of heaven? What are we going to do when we get up there? I've heard different ones say, well, I want to, I want to meet Peter. Another one might say, well, well, I want to, I want to meet Noah. Another say, well, I want to meet Job. I said, well, I don't know about you, but I think when I stand for the first time, or when I'm at first, first time in the presence of my Lord, I'm just going to bow down. I'm not going to say a word. I, I will be so amazed that I'm in heaven. So, so thankful that the Lord has been faithful all the way through. And I'm, I'm going to say, well, as I've always said, Lord, I haven't deserved it. But thank you so much. Listening to a radio broadcast recently, the pastor was dealing with the wonderful truth of justification. How God has declared us righteous. He said, you know, one of the most glorious things that he could think of, I couldn't agree with everything that he said, but he said, when I get up into heaven, I see the book there, and I see my name there, and I realize there's not one charge laid to my account as far as my sins are concerned. So won't that be beautiful? We have that truth now. But just think what it will be to stand in his presence and know that for reality. We know it now, of course, as far as the teaching of the word of God. What we have now, we have by faith the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But in that faith, we're going to know it in reality. So let's not wait to get to heaven just to begin to bow our knees. Let's not wait until we get to heaven before we truly begin to enjoy the worship of God and the worship of His Son in our lives. I perhaps stand to be corrected, but to me, worship is fellowship. And I have fellowship with God tonight in a way that Israel could never have it. I have fellowship with my Heavenly Father tonight on the plane and the level. That even David did not enjoy. What a blessing is I. What a joy is I. Just in closing, though, perhaps tonight you're here. And you're not a child of God. You might say, well, what must I do to be saved? How can I come to know the joy of salvation that you're speaking of tonight? There's only one way you can know this joy tonight. 
that to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that Savior, and there's Lord. You see, dear friends, Christ died for you. Was buried and was raised again the third day for your justification. I talked to a Catholic man recently. That he hadn't gone to church for ten years. Well, I said, how do you stand then before God as far as eternity is concerned? Well, he said, I really don't know. I want to tell you something. Have you realized that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you? Do you realize it was your sin that nailed him to the cross at Calvary? Well, he said, I believe that Christ died for the sins of the world. I said, I asked it more than this. Christ died for you, personally. Your sins, as well as mine, had caused him to go to the cross. But you need to first of all acknowledge that you're a sinner. And then you need to believe that Christ died for you. He said, well, he said, you know, I think I can accept that. Well, only God knows his heart. I don't. I cannot make a judgment on a man's salvation. and certainly not in a case like that. But nonetheless, the gospel was through that. And it has to be the Spirit of God who enlightens him to the truth of the Word of God. I can't enlighten anyone. All I can do is preach. And the Holy Spirit has to do the rest of what doesn't he? They that worship God must worship him in spirit. I have not seen, you have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us through the Spirit, for the Spirit speaketh all things, yea, the deep things of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If the Spirit of God tonight reveals to me this precious book, I'm slow to learn, but I've got the best teacher there is. The very author to do. It just takes a little bit longer sometimes for some of the truths to sink in. But it's a patient teacher. Never gives up on me. Every time I go into the Word, and I go into the book, it will do something precious again. Oh, I trust tonight that somehow you can see what you've been trying to point out. Brethren, let us talk of the Lord tonight the way he should be spoken of. Let us get back to what Thomas said, the Lord of mine and the God of mine. I think we need that. It's one thing for a person to know Jesus, but it's another thing for someone to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we not ask in closing? Our Father and our God, we thank thee again tonight. 
with his great and his glorious deeds. We feel so inadequate in trying even to bring out the truth that concern thy son. But how thankful we are tonight that all you've asked us to do is to preach the word. And we know that the Holy Spirit of God has a ministry, not of manifesting or declaring himself, but even the Spirit's ministry is to make the Son of God known to the hearts and the lives of men and women and young people. We pray tonight, Father, that we might truly stand in awe of thy righteousness and thy holiness. That coming before thee is a privilege as well as it should be a joy to our hearts and to our lives. In ourselves tonight, God, we are unworthy, but in Christ we are complete. And may the Spirit of God continue to work in the hearts and in the lives of each one of us, that he might bring us to a clearer and a deeper understanding and a greater appreciation of all and everything that we have in your Son, in whose name we pray, with thanksgiving.